0: Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Thank you, Micah. Uh, that's awesome. Welcome to Awaken. So glad to be here, guys. Uh, in case you didn't notice, we did the switcheroo, of course. Micah's leading worship. Uh, and so I get the pleasure of being up here, which is quite the um, different setting for me. I don't normally get to do this. I don't get trusted enough to actually be talking that much. It's more like, yeah, you know, play your song, you know. But. Uh, so it's cool. I have a deep sympathy now for what Micah goes through each week uh, just preparing for a sermon. But uh, I love it. Let me say, too, just as we're getting started, that uh, I'm just so grateful for this community for um, what it's becoming, for what it is. Uh, the, it's the people that make a community, and you guys have blessed my life, and I don't get a, a chance to say that very much, so I just want to say thank you for who you are, um, where we're going together, how we're journeying together. It's a, it's a gift to me, so thank you for that. Um, we are in the series of A Power of a Word. Uh, Micah started last week with Grace, um, which is cool, just reinvesting some meaning into that word, uh, which is kind of handy for me right now because I might need a little bit of that too. But uh, anyway, he started that um, last week, and then today I'm going to be talking about love. Next week, Michael will talk about peace, and then the week after that, our friend uh, Lane, the intern, is going to uh, break into break into hope for us. So it, it's going to be good. I know it's going to be good. So uh, yeah, yeah, Lane for short, Lane the intern. However you want to, he goes by either. So. But love, I, I, I drew the short straw, I think, on that one, because uh, it's I can't tell you everything there is to know about love right now. In case you are hoping for that, probably not going to do that. Uh, love is an inexhaustible word, isn't it? It's it's our context. It's the beginning and the end. It's as big as the cosmos and the fabric of the cosmos, and as small as something intimate, like a, a touch or a word or a um, hug. It, it's kind of everything. I, I think it's really appropriate that God is described as love in First John. God is love, just simply said like that. Uh, he's inexhaustible. He's as big as the cosmos. He's as close uh, as right here as anything that ever can be close. And I think that's kind of how love can be too. It's it's this grand idea. So for me today, instead of distilling it into like one thought for you guys, I just. Uh, took three concepts that were moving to me and just uh, we're just going to meditate on those. So we're going to call it Brief Meditations on Love today. So before we do that, let's just say a few words about words themselves because that's kind of the series we're in. Um, Words are meant to be the ambassadors of meaning, right? Uh, They're meant to be advocates. They're meant to actually work for us. They're meant to connect us to the meaning that they're to stand for. I, I think of them like, container or capsule and hey lane the intern could you grab me some water is that <laughs> <laughs> oh man just give this guy a hand he just goes through so much i just you know i just figured since he's doing this we gotta like let him have a full experience of internship <laughs> this is great Here you go, ben. thank you thank you mike the intern <laughs> much better but words are like this neutral entity, this container, this capsule that we fill with meaning. And um, over time what happens sometimes is that they get filled with all these different types of meanings or our experience gets involved. And so when I say a word like love, all of a sudden all these things happen in our minds, right? Um, it's I think what's at work here is often the power or the concept that Um, Whatever is familiar with us has a danger of becoming unfamiliar real fast. The paradox of when you get close to something, you can be so far from it. I I think a word can be like that. When we say a word like love, we might think we're close to what's behind that, but we might be really far away from it. Jesus was talking about that with the Pharisees, right? Uh, You think you know me, but your hearts are so far from me. So I think you could say the power of a word is then equal to its ability to communicate its given meaning. Or you could just say it simply then, a word without meaning is a word without power. So when Jesus speaks a word like love and means it to be something that we shape our lives around, means it to be something that infuses us with purpose and hope and direction, our task as followers of Jesus is to reinvest those words, those words that we use all the time that sometimes can become meaningless, to reinvest them with meaning, to rediscover those. So, brief meditations on love, just little snippets that might help us just uncover at least three faces of love in this multifaceted uh, word. So, But before we do that, let's just go ahead and pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you... Are in this room, Lord. Let us listen to you. Let us hear you. Um, we just we come together on this week. Uh, all these different stories, all these different paths of life. We come in this one room, and uh, we want to speak to you. We want to hear you. We want to be encouraged. So, do all that's in your heart. We love you. Amen. So the first brief meditation today is love is the beginning and the end. Love is the beginning and the end. It's the context of our whole story. I just want to start off with uh, three quotes that I think tell the story a bit and they go together well. We are all born for love. It is the principle of existence and its only end. Benjamin Disraeli. I'm not quite sure how to say that name, but the hunger for love is much more difficult to remove than the hunger for bread, Mother Teresa. All my life, my heart has yearned for a thing I cannot name, Andrea Breton. Um, there's, if we're honest with ourselves, there's a hunger for love in this, isn't there? It's this deep, profound thing that for some reason we have this, this craving to be loved and we find joy when we actually love, when it flows from us. It shapes our lives, it shapes our motivations, it shapes why we do things sometimes, it shapes the tra- trajectory of our life. It's what we search for. Has anybody seen the movie Tree of Life? Anybody? Uh, okay, right, okay, a few people. Now, either kind of love it or hate it. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a slow, painfully at times, slow-moving film that all of a sudden you're in the cosmos and all of a sudden there's dinosaurs and all of a sudden there's flowers up close and you're like, Okay. But I saw it for free, which is pretty cool. So uh, anyway, not going to go into that. <laughs> but uh, The Tree of Life, I, I want to bring that up because I think that idea of searching was painted so well in that movie. It's The imagery is so beautiful, and oftentimes the narrator will speak for the characters without them speaking, just kind of speak their thoughts out. And oftentimes there'll be, you know, some character will be focusing in on nature or a moment between two people and just say, I search for you. Uh, I look for you. And it, it's this... Looking for God, I think that's that's within us, right? I think the reason why that is, is love is our design. It's what we were made for and made from. If we go back to that I mentioned, um, uh, it says we are all born for love, right? It's it's a part of our design. Uh, We'll find that when we go back to the beginning of our story, which is Genesis, right? Uh, God made the world. He saw that it was good. He meant for it to be good. He meant for us to be in good relationship with Him, with each other, with this world. That was the hope. Um, we were made in His image, God being love, right? We are born from this. Uh, that's our context, that's our design, that's what we were meant to be in. And I think it doesn't take long to look around and say, why does that picture not always match up, right? Uh, it seems that we're living apart from that. It seems that we have a lot of pain here. And I think that's what we find is when we, when we don't have love, and this can be an oversimplification, but again, this is like a, the context of everything too at the same time. So I think it's true that without love, we find hell on earth and we find love and the fulfillment of it, we find all the best of heaven. So I think you could say a world without love is a world working against its design. A life without love is living against or apart from its design. When that happens, what happens? All hostility, selfishness that just runs rampant with pride and greed and doesn't stop with that hunger. The depravity of humanity, people's humanity is taken from them when there's a lack of love. The lack of others and the hordes of the few. Rampant loneliness. This is this is the result of a world working against its design. It's a world that doesn't work. So that's the middle of our story, in a sense. The end of our story is God redeems the world. God comes back. God brings us back to that which we started from. The return. The return to. Uh, this is who you're meant to be. This is the design you were meant to live from, which is in relationship with me, right relationship with the world, right relationship with each other. This is the end of the story. And this is what is so remarkable about Jesus. Is that he takes, he comes and he takes the end of the story and he pulls it into the middle. He takes that which is not yet and brings it into now. It's the work of redemption, right? Jesus bringing the end into the middle. It's the, the thing that we get to live into. We get to live into now love has come. Love has found us, and we find it as we say yes to him. It's the thing that love has come and mends us so that we can come back to it. It's like love finds us again for itself. Anyway. Um... To conclude this little meditation, I just want to invite Jess Mansour uh, Sherman. Woo! Sorry about that. <laughs> Some t- her email is still Mansour, so it's tough. But um, anyway, she's going to read a poem by Hafiz. And uh, I think this poem is just a real a beautiful poem underscoring this idea that, that we were born for love. So...
1: The heart is the thousand-stringed instrument. Our sadness and fear come from being out of tune with love. All day long, God coaxes my lips to speak so that your tears will not stain his green dress. It is not that the friend is vain. It is just your life we care about. Sometimes the beloved takes my pen in hand, for Hafiz is just a simple man. The other day, the old one wrote on the tavern
0: wall, the heart is the thousand stringed instrument that can only be tuned with love. Thanks, Jess. I'm just going to read those first and last stanza there again. The heart is the thousand stringed instrument. Our sadness and fear come from being out of tune with love. World working against its design. But the heart is a thousand string instrument that can only be tuned with love it's the return it's the beginning and the end of our story and it's one that we get to live into now uh, brief meditation number two uh, love is the more beautiful music love is the more beautiful music talking about the unique power of love i tell you a story a couple stories actually uh, we got to go back to ancient Greece for this. Does anybody remember what sirens are? Remember what sirens are? I'm sure most people do. Uh, they were, uh, excuse me, these dangerous mythological Greek characters that uh, often, like half bird, half woman, or I think fishes worked in there a little bit, maybe. But uh, anyway, they they portrayed were portrayed as seductresses to sailors as they were going by with their beautiful voices and chanting music. So what would happen is. There's this island of sirens, okay? These weird floating, weird creatures that sing beautifully. And as, as a sailor would come by or sailors would come by, they would hear this music, be so enchanted by it, tempted by it, uh, consumed and obsessed with it, that they would jump overboard, swim to the island where there's jagged rocks all around, and they would uh, be impaled on those rocks. Nice little picture there. And I think the sirens would probably eat them, I think, at that point. But uh, here is a picture of the sirens, Um, If you can see, they're swarming this ship there. And uh, the dude there tied to the mast, that is Odysseus. Uh, He's one of Homer's characters in the Iliad. And this picture is depicting uh, their story about with the sirens. Now, uh, just briefly their story, they were returning uh, the sailors and Odysseus from the underworld Hades. And they were warned, if you guys hear the sound of the sirens, be sure to fill your ears with beeswax so that you don't hear them. And so, sure enough, as they're going along, they hear this sound, this enchanting music, and Odysseus orders all his men to fill their ears with beeswax. But he himself doesn't. He says, I'm kind of intrigued by the song, I want to actually hear it myself. So he says, go ahead and just tie me to the mast, I'll be fine. (laughs) Uh, Just, you know, hook me up that way. And so, as they go along, they're sailing past the island, and he is flipping out, freaking out, You know, just yelling, screaming, begging to be let loose. But of course, thanks for beeswax, uh, the guys can't hear him. So they are just, just, you know, head down, just going through. They're going to make it past this island alive. Uh, But Odysseus is going crazy. They do make it past, and they're they're fine. But uh, even when they tie or untie him, uh, he's still kind of freaking out. He wants to go back. He wants to find the sirens. So success, yes, but for sure, trial and uh, much effort. Um, But I think there's even a better story, a more profound and more powerful story. For this, uh, we have to introduce another character. His name is Orpheus, and he's a little bit of a racy picture there. (laughs) Um, But uh, he was a mythological character who was a musician, poet, prophet, and he had this power with his music to subdue... Uh, great beasts like this, uh, you know, they're all just chilling out and not eating him. uh, Or he just had these special powers with music. Uh, One second here, And he was invited to go along with Jason and the Argonauts to go find the Golden Fleece. Now, I'm going to back up a second. Jason was the king, or the son of a king, who was charged with finding the Golden Fleece so that he could secure his kingship. And so he put a band of heroes together called the Argonauts, and they sailed in a ship called Argo, and off they go. And there's lots of uh, little tales about them that you can read. Um, but there's one in particular that I think um, portrays uh, this, what, what I'm talking about here. Uh, so Jason and the Argonauts invite Orpheus along, and he becomes quite the asset. I'll read this for you. The time came when Jason and the Argonauts were to sail past the dangerous isle of the Sirens, These beautiful creatures, part human, part bird, played their seductive songs so alluring that any hearer became instantly enchanted, even haunted by it. Many sailors who had come before had hurled themselves from their ships into the water to swim towards the siren's music, costing them their very lives as they died upon the jagged rocks that surrounded the isle. Here's where it gets interesting. As Jason and his crew were passing close by the rocky island, they began to hear a strange music. With the sound they felt their souls churn with a mysterious current that started them towards the side of the ship. But just then, Orpheus began to play a song of his own. He took out his lyre and began a more beautiful music. The sailors, nearly about to leap overboard, now heard his song and stopped. The song of Orpheus was at once more powerful and more moving than any other music they had heard before. So much so that they forgot to listen to the sirens and sailed past the island unharmed. Orpheus played a more beautiful music. And this is the power that love has, I believe. Love is the more beautiful music. Love has this ability to capture the affections of our heart for what is God over what is not. Uh, Love elevates us. Love moves us forward. Love, as Rob Bell would say, love wins. Um, it has that effect. Uh, in, at the end of this reflection here, uh, we're going to just take a really brief moment, going along with the sermon title, uh, to share with each other. So I just want you, during this time, just reflect on how love has won, maybe in your life, or a circumstance where love has changed a circumstance. Uh, And I'll just let you reflect from now until then and just share for just a moment at each table. But uh, I think you could say to conquer sin is to fall in love with what is more beautiful. Sin is another word (laughs) that we desperately need to rediscover and uh, reinvest with some meaning. Uh, It's kind of been something that's helped people, but also something that's hurt people, too, I think for me personally, just to go back to this more simple definition of sin, is that it's whatever takes us away from God, whatever distances us from God, whatever disrupts that original relationship that we were made for, whatever does that, that's sin. And to conquer that is to fall in love with what is more beautiful. When that happens, we lose our taste for sin. Right? Right? We find something that's even better, a better, more beautiful music. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, hell, where's your victory? Heaven's a lot more attractive. Um, I got an amen in the crowd. <laughs> Check that out. <laughs> All right. This is church now, huh? Okay. Uh, the power of love is then akin to the power of light, right? By j- just simply being itself. Doing nothing else, just by the nature of what it is, light, when it comes near darkness, upon contact, darkness leaves. Uh, Light simply touches darkness, and it's gone. Um, What happens when love touches hate? What happens when love touches fear? Uh, Perfect love casts out all fear, right? Right? What happens when love touches pain or a despairing world or what's broken? This is the power of love. It, it doesn't have to fight hard. It just has to be itself and somehow it, it overcomes. Uh, we can see this in the sayings of Jesus, right? Uh, Luke six twenty-seven. But to you who are willing to listen, I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Seems a bit outrageous, right? But Jesus knows his power. For some reason love, when it touches hate, it's going to change the situation. And not only is it going to subdue, but it has the power to redeem. It has the power to resurrect even your enemies. Uh, Jesus is referencing a verse from Proverbs. Pro- the verse uh, 25, I'm sorry, chapter 25, 21 through 22. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they're thirsty, give them food to drink. You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads and the Lord will reward you. This is what Jesus is kind of expounding upon. And um, burning coals seems like kind of uh, a torture, right? It seems like, yeah, love your enemies, and you're going to, you know, whip out some coals on their head. But uh, what that's really referring to is this Jewish tradition. I just learned this the other day. Uh, what they used to do is they take, took a basket, filled it with hot coals, and they would wear that basket on their head as a sign of repentance, so what's happening here? Kindness touches hate. Love touches hate. And it can even evoke repentance for those who are hurting you. Not that that should be a manipulative thing. But it's just the power of love not only subdues, but it, it resurrects and brings us, it changes the situation for us. So let's just take like literally a minute and a half or so uh, and just reflect and share with your table. We've got a couple questions on the, on the screen here. How has love won in a circun- certain circumstance you remember? Or how did love change the outcome of a particular circumstance? Just go ahead and share for just a moment. So, love is the more beautiful music. Love is the more beautiful music. Our task, then, is to have ears to hear it. Um, even Jesus in that verse said, if you are willing to listen, uh, hear what I say, you know. Um, that music is playing. We just have to be, uh, hear it. And then, like the poem was saying, come in tune with it as well. Last final meditation today. We are love made flesh. We're called to be love made flesh. Micah was talking about grace last week and he was saying grace needs a face. Grace needs a body. No exception for love. Uh, This is true for love. Any word that symbolizes so deep what we're called to be and who we are uh, needs to be fleshed out in action. It can't just be a thought. A word like love is only a ghost if if, if it exists solely within a thought. Lives as a ghost, but comes to life in action, it needs a body, from ghost to body. Love needs our hands, our feet, as we've heard before, but it needs your voice, it needs your action, it needs just simply your noticing those around you and loving them. How you treat people. You get to give people back their humanity, uh, give them back their worth that, that gets stolen from them small things, right? It's no doubt in the stories that you guys were just talking about. So as I said before, the power of the word, if a power of a word is equal to its ability to communicate its given meaning, then the word love only connects to its true meaning as a verb. Love is a verb, right? I'm going to read just a couple of verses out of 1 John here. Uh, Kind of talk about how we're to live in love and just how it surrounds us. It's amazing. Uh, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. Dear friends, verse 7, let us love. Let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Skipping to Verse 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. It's an insane web that John creates, right? I mean, he's just like in and out and all around at the same time. But I think that's a great way to describe love. It's, our, it's the context which, which we're in. It's, it's what we were born for. It's what we receive. and It's what is meant to give out from us. We're meant to live in that web of love. And that's where you know God. That's the sign of knowing God. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by your love, right? That's the, that's the sign. So if God is love and Jesus is the word made flesh, in a way, we're called to be love made flesh. Um, we're, we're, called, we're called to be that. Often, a good metaphor for me, oftentimes I think of a storehouse of food, We're called to be storehouses of food for those who are hungry for it. We're hungry for love. Everybody is. And you are a storehouse full of love, God's love, that is meant to be given away to everybody you're around. Um, This love made flesh comes out in stories, doesn't it? It comes out, the actions are going to be tied to a story, like this happened to me, or this came from me. And, um, uh, Share a personal story of mine. Just a moment, a very simple thing that happened that was love made flesh to me. I was a high school student when I was first starting to play cello. This is the cello sign, by the way. Um, And there's this guy who was teaching a master class. Master class is just when a, a different conductor comes in and teaches our class. He came in to work with our orchestra for the entire week leading up to our concert. Uh, just to uh, use a false name, we'll call him Mr. Thompson. But um, he, so he came in, and every rehearsal, he was just so inspiring to me. He became a hero overnight to me. Uh, he spoke about music. Uh, he, we would be playing, and then he would stop us right then and just say, what's the story in the music here? What's supposed to be happening Violins. What is that melody supposed to be doing? What What's the story behind it? He just let us infuse our imagination into the music, and it just made music come alive to me, and uh, it had a profound effect on me. So, here is this guy who comes in, and uh, just you know, kind of a bit bit awestruck by him, right? And so, at the concert um, before. Before we went out there, um, I was just walking down the hallway, and he actually ended up coming out of the same or a different door, and we met in the hallway. He just came in. I won't forget it. He just came around me and did one of these, grabbed me around the head and just walked down the whole hallway with me. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) You know? But he he just went for it, and he just said, I noticed that you've been watching me. You've been listening. You've been attentive to everything I've said. Now, I don't even quite exactly remember what he said, but it was just the action. What it was saying to me was, I see you. I see who you are. And, and be that. And that was love made flesh to me, because it, it said to be who I am. It was a validation. I'm going to read you a story out of uh, Rob Bell's Sex God. Little catchy title there. Um, and it's, uh, you've probably read it or heard the story before, but... Um, it's a story of uh, it's actually a journal entry by a World War II British soldier named Colonel Merson Willett Gonin. Any gonins in the crowd? Okay, <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's an excerpt from his journal. He was um, somebody who came into his concentration camp to just uh, help these people out and, you know, as you can imagine, living hell, right? Uh, just, just tragic and waiting for medical supplies, and he gets this strange strange shipment in that at first doesn 't mean or, or is really confusing him, but then in the end makes a big difference i 'll read it for you. It was shortly after I'm take a drink of water One second. i don 't know what the deal is okay it was shortly after the British Red Cross arrived, though it may have no connection. Uh, that a very large quantity of lipstick arrived. This was not at all what we wanted. We were screaming for hundreds and thousands of other things. I don't know who asked for lipstick, but I wish that I could discover who did it because it was the action of genius, sheer, unadulterated brilliance. I believe nothing did more for these internees than the lipstick. Women lay with no sheets, no night tie, but with scarlet red lips. You saw them Wandering about with nothing but a blanket over their shoulders, but with scarlet red lips. I saw a woman dead on the post mortem -mortem table, and clutched in her hand was a piece of lipstick. At last, someone had done something to make them feel like individuals again. They were someone, no longer merely the numbered tattoo on their arm. At last, they could take an interest in their appearance that lipstick started to give them back their humanity. That's love made flesh. Something simple as lipstick, right? I'm uh, going to finish this portion of a song, and it's a story about love made flesh in a way, too. I wrote this song for a couple who had, in their marriage, needed a chance of forgiveness and to walk, start walking down the long road of that, the hard road of that, and I wrote this song. It's a fictional song, but it speaks to that story of theirs. It's a set where this couple's at a wedding, and they are—they're um, there, and the band's playing their music, and they—the uh, husband says to the wife, "Let me dance with you." And it's this moment and this act of forgiveness. Uh, this act to say, let's just forgive, let's let the past bear the past, and let's move forward. It's an action of love made flesh. And so, I'm going to play that for you. Some of you guys may have already heard it, but um, I'll play it for you. And then uh, I'll invite Micah up after that.
1: Look down from the skies, everybody's watching the groom and the bride. The body sway to the tune, of the band plays one more song to set the mood. It's been 27 years since the day we started from here. amateur amateurs learning how to love without the hurt May I have this dance to forgive the past May I have this dance to forgive the past Life gets harder, we just get more soft Come on baby, take my hands Dance to the music while we still can Dance playing its final tunes Let our body sway May I have this dance to forgive the past May I have this dance to forgive the past
0: www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awaken community or on Twitter and community.
1: See you next, next time. time.